Welcome to the Wellness for Educators podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Kennedy. Welcome, everyone, and thanks so much for listening in. Today's guest is Dr. Rebecca Ito. She is the principal of Indiana University High School and an adjunct professor in the IU School of Education. She earned her PhD in learning sciences from Indiana University and was a public high school teacher for 15 years. As a teacher, Rebecca brought her passion for the arts into her classroom and created a safe space for learners to be themselves as they navigated their academic journeys. She taught a range of courses and levels, served as AP department chair, and coached two award-winning forensics and mock trial teams. As a learning scientist, Rebecca researches and designs participatory approaches to professional development, focusing on contemporary assessment practices. These techniques help teachers adapt new pedagogical techniques that support connected networked learning into their curricular designs. Rebecca also studies the implications of assessment practices in classrooms and open digital badge systems. As principal, Rebecca uses her research expertise and her experience as a public high school English teacher to facilitate university and community partnerships that focus on innovating IU High School. Rebecca, thank you so much again for taking the time to join us today. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. So our conversation today is focused on whole school wellness. So that can include anything from staff wellness and student wellness and caregiver wellness and even your own wellness as a leader. So how about we start off the conversation talking about how you support or how you really define what whole school wellness is at IU High School? Thanks. So when I think about whole school wellness, I think about the connections that we're building between teacher and student, between teacher and staff, administrator and staff and faculty and students. We think about all of these interconnected pieces. And um, I really try not to work in isolation of myself or let you know teachers and students and staff work in isolation either. And I think it's so easy to isolate ourselves in a school. Um, I know that as a classroom teacher, it, I would just stay in my classroom. I talked to a couple of teachers who were next to me, but really it took a lot to get me to walk across campus. And now in an online school, it's even easier to um, completely separate all of our work, right? The, the teacher does their thing, the instructional designer does their thing, the students, the staff, the administrators. And so, one of the things I try to do is simply communicate with the whole school. Um, I send out newsletters, um, but not so many that they get ignored, right? Um, send out messages of thanks. Um, I have a practice of writing a thank you note, a handwritten thank you note every day. And I, I mail one out to a faculty or staff member because we all like getting mail and it's nice to get something handwritten, right? In our daily work, uh, if a student has a question for me that involves a teacher, I ask that teacher about that student, which seems simple and maybe obvious, but Sometimes we forget to include the other people in our conversation. So 
I will let a teacher know, hey, I'm talking to this family and here are their concerns. Can you tell me more about your interactions? And even though I'm at a distance and we're not meeting together in a room, I can facilitate communications that maybe were lacking or were misunderstood. Um, I, can, I can facilitate a conversation in that way. I think the, some small things are, like I said, saying thank you, saying I appreciate you. I let our staff and our teachers know that uh, their work influences how students live and grow and become humans um, and that we appreciate them. I always, I try to always thank our teachers for the work they do to help cultivate confident, strong human beings who can interact with other human beings. Um, I think that's really important, especially in the online space. Um, and I've tried really hard to be cognizant of the fact that because we are not seeing each other's faces, um, that it's even more important to be expressive. I use exclamation points. I use emojis. And part of that is personality, but, but part of it is trying to just remember the human as one of our teachers says. Remind us all that we all need a little support and smile. Yeah, I agree with all of the things that you mentioned. It's um, especially in COVID. I mean, I know you are an online school, but at the same time, there are so many schools who are either in an online or blended type of setting now because of COVID. And the intentional approaches that you have to building community, making sure that um, your staff feels a sense of belonging and the um, communication that you have with them, the relationship building strategies are really, really important. I think too, the, the gratitude practices, it, um, I really love those ideas as well. And that human side approach I think is so important because as you mentioned, like you can easily get isolated I mean, we, we could be isolated in our, in our physical classrooms, our physical schools, like you mentioned, but I think it is very much uh, an easy thing to do in an online space as well. And if we're not intentional about making those connections and doing those kind of like wellness checks just to check in to see how people are doing or even the individual uh, notes that you mentioned um, being sending out in the, uh, every day, I think it's it's really again that intentionality, especially as a leader, I think is is so important and so forward thinking on your part. Thank you. I, I think that um, I think that with COVID, to your point on on COVID, when we are stressed, it's really easy to retreat into ourselves and. You know, when schools got notice on March 14th that we were going to shut down around then, right? It's about when everybody shut their doors, there was this major panic and everybody did a great job of working over the weekend to figure out, oh my gosh, how are we going to help kids come back to school on Monday, right? And we need to make sure that we remember our training and our, the core of our job which is to help students, children learn 
and grow. And we need to be modeling the kinds of practices and behaviors that we want our students to model. So, you know, I think as, as, as a school, we have to continue reaching out to each other. It's really easy to get totally stressed out and think, oh my gosh, there are so many emails. My inbox is so much more full. I have, uh, you know, back to back to back meetings. Um, to step back and say, I need to take time to breathe, to reach out. Um, one of the things that I keep encouraging staff and faculty to do is just pick up the phone. Pick up the phone and call. Talk to someone with your voice, right? Um, again, this is a simple thing that seems like we would know how to do. And yet, uh, for some reason, it seems like it takes, I, I think that we have a perception that like picking up the phone is going to take longer. Sometimes it does. But often I have found that I can alleviate a problem or understand an issue much better just by picking up the phone and saying, hi, let me talk to you, um, rather than sending 30 emails back and forth. Um, and every ding of my email box then gives me another piece of stress, right? Something else I've done with our school is uh, to put on our blog pieces that acknowledge how hard this is. Um, I've written some pieces that um, about that are about um, just making sure that we acknowledge that this is a hard thing to do and that we are all learning together, reminding everyone, including myself, that moving, moving an entire country online, moving a whole school online, moving a whole class online is not something that we have been trained to do. And there are some of us who have been working in online education for a while, but it's different now because those students and families who were choosing online education before were seeking something different than their traditional brick and mortar school settings. And now our families, our students are needing something different. They're needing that school experience that they're used to, but at a distance. So really, even those of us who have been doing this for a while are entering new territory. And so part of just part of the work that we do at IU High School is just acknowledge this is hard. That's what I say to teachers. It's what I say to the staff. It's what I say to students and families. I know this is really hard. And let's just acknowledge that up front. Because then that allows us to say, here are the reasons why we make certain decisions. Here is what we are. Here is what we are not. And, and those are the kinds of conversations that seem to really help everyone feel better about how, what we're doing. Yeah, I think it's really, um, I don't know if the right word is norming for us to, and also just a way to say, it's okay that you don't know all of the things, you don't have all of the answers. And, and I feel like there's a, a, a freeing <laughs> feeling that comes out of that, like, oh, I can you know, relax into the fact that, you know, I'm not the only one that is struggling here. Um, I'm not the only one. I'm not by myself. Like you were talking about before, like that, that, you know, isolation piece. I think one of the things that I always think about with when it comes to online learning and isolation, isolation 
is that idea of as a as a teacher and a student, you can design your learning environment in such a way where you intentionally include those points of connection so that you don't feel isolated. And I feel like a lot of times people automatically go to that place of, oh, it's online learning, there's no connection, you know, we're we're having to be by ourselves on an island in the middle of nowhere. And, you know, this whole idea of physically or socially distance is, is, is really a really bad term to have been chosen for that. Like the idea is physically distanced. You're physically distanced away, but like you and me right now, like we can socially be together and to have that connection. Yes, it is a different type of connection, but at the same time, it is a connection in the midst of all of the other turmoil that's happening around us. So really, I, I do, I agree with you 100%. There's just that idea that you can connect with other people and really, again, that intentionality, bringing it back to that, and you know, being intentional about what you need for your own mental health uh, in terms of connection and community and feeling like you belong to something and that you don't feel like you're alone. This is such an important point. And I just want to sort of expand on what, what you're saying here. I think that in online education, we are, like you said, we, it's so easy to say, oh, well, I'm not with the students, so I can't connect to them. It's, and because we know that that's not the case because we have social networking all the time, right? We, we engage in that often. My parents play Farmville and they have friends that they've been playing with for years now, moving from game to game, and they care about each other. They know when they've had babies and grandchildren and their parents have been ill and whatever's going on in their lives. They've never met these people, right? They literally only play, meet them through games and it's great. And it just goes to this notion that we, we, we have a conception of online learning that really comes from distance learning, right? That it's this static thing that we um, can't change. So we're just going to put the information out there and deploy, right? deploy the, 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 the lessons. It doesn't have to be that way. It feels different than a brick and mortar space for sure, because it's harder to make the just-in-time decisions, right? The real-time adjustments that we make standing in front of our 38 students or 180 students. Doesn't mean you can't. Uh, we, you know, we had a major event on Wednesday and we have a teacher who held a Twitter chat um, with her social studies group that they started talking about, okay, how do we teach our students? How do we interact with our students? How do we help them to discuss and process this? It feels different. We can't do it in exactly real time, but it doesn't mean we can't connect with our students. And this speaks to this bigger point that you brought up, right? Acknowledging what we need, acknowledging what our students need. It's okay to ask your students and your families and yourself, I think, what do I need in this moment? And then have a conversation about that. I know that it at our school, it's easy to become frustrated with a process, with um, the technology, with, oh, I have to go through all these steps to do a thing, or if a student asks a question to say, oh, well, why didn't they read the instructions? And 
those are the same kinds of frustrations that happen in a brick and mortar space. It's really not any different. But then reaching out and saying, okay, let me meet with you. Get on Zoom, get on a phone call. They don't have to turn their cameras on if they don't want to. You can respect their privacy that way. But really just start to talk and, and realize that a little bit of connection goes a really long way. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. Um, I do think that one of the other things that comes up for educators is that idea of kind of losing control to the students, and especially if they're not as um, familiar with online learning like a lot of educators are. You know, they're, they're definitely getting their feet wet and um, hopefully not drowning in, in all of the, the newness of having to learn how to teach online. But at the same time, there's also a need for, um, similar to like what we were talking about before, like letting go of not feeling like you need to know everything about everything and really keeping it simple, um, I think is important for, for wellness, for, for educators specifically. I think the other thing too is that, you know, they, they are, are there for their students too. And I think that that connection for the students, so like flipping the, flipping the conversation to like the students and caregivers as well, are there things that your school really tries to promote in terms of how educators can help serve their students and caregivers and make sure that there's, there's a sense of wellness or a theme of wellness that's happening at home as well? We certainly try. We encourage our teachers to communicate. Something that is seemingly simple, but really not a small or simple task is checking in with the student. So in the online space, um, a student, you may not hear from a student for a day or two. And at our school, um, because we're an asynchronous school, it's not uncommon for a student to disappear for a few days and then pop back in. And, um, but we encourage our, our educators to check on them. Um, just as we wouldn't in brick and mortar school, you read, I was an English teacher, so you read the writing and you can notice when tone changes, when they mention something that makes you raise an eyebrow and say, hmm, what's that about? And just reach out and say, hi. Um, also encourage students to respond to gradebook feedback. So I really encourage the teachers to write actionable and a specific feedback in the gradebook. That's something that as teachers we do. But to encourage the students to respond to that and engage in a conversation around uh, an artifact, because that's something that will ground a conversation in a way that, how are you, is maybe too broad, right? In a way that um, a broad check-in may just sort of be ignored. And we found that sometimes when students do respond, that's really helpful. Sometimes they don't respond, but then we've heard later that, wow, I really appreciated how much my teachers cared about me, cared about my, my interests or how I was doing. And then something else that we've done to help 
not only educators at our school, but educators more broadly, is actually post on our blog things that have helped students, um, invited students and families to write pieces that we can post um, that share what helped and what didn't. We have the, a lovely piece written by a student who explained the kinds of outreach that were really helpful for her and the kinds of outreach that maybe weren't. And another student told me a great story about how he uh, went to a Star Trek convention and shared what he had learned in his English class about a mice and men with actors and wanted to engage in this discussion of characters and whether or not the writer of this episode had considered the characters as parallel to George and Lenny and of mice and men. And it was such a lovely thing for him to tell me because it really showed me that he's making these connections from not just the content of the class, but from what his teacher helped him understand to his own life and bringing that elsewhere. And all of that is to say that just by helping students bring their own interests into a class will help build those connections. One of the ways we are helping families feel connected to us, uh, in addition to, to simply picking up the phone um, or reaching out to them, is to encourage them to have conversations with their students about the courses, right? About their learning. Uh, it's been really important for us to make sure that we at least encourage students to talk to their families and families to talk to their students. Um, I get a lot of phone calls from families, uh, guardians who are confused about what their student is supposed to do. Um, why, why was a certain direction given? And I really encourage them to meet with the teacher, meet with their student, with their student. So all, everybody all together so that the, there are connections and, and conversations happening with everybody present rather than people passing on messages to each other because things will get lost in translation. And especially because we're at a distance and especially because we can't schedule a time for everyone to be in a room together. Um, it's just encouraging that kind of connection between student and family and teacher um, is really important. I meet with students and families all the time just to say hi. And um, that's a really important piece of building uh, connections and supporting just overall wellness in our school. Yeah, I think the school connection with the families and caregivers is an essential support structure for the students because as we know, there it takes a village <laughs> to support a student and to have those consistent relationships, whether it be with teachers or staff or and and, and at home too, I think that is one of the most important pieces in a student's education is, you know, it's not just going to be one person supporting them. It's going to be a village of people who are just really all committed to making sure that that student is going to thrive in whatever way that is meaningful to them. So as the school leader, you are really focused on everybody within your school and all of the things. And so one of the questions I have for you is 
how do you take care of yourself while providing support and guidance and, um, you know, whatever is needed at all times for your staff, students, and caregivers, and other stakeholders? How are you taking care of yourself? And are there things that you would suggest to other leaders who are in your same position that can help them better take care of themselves? It's really hard. <laughs> and, and honestly, I think that acknowledging that has been my first step in taking care of myself. Um, I was not good as a teacher um, at taking care of myself. And I always give the example of, you know, the student who walks in right as I'm walking out to go to the bathroom between periods and I have to go and I, but I can see they need me. And so, ah, and then the bell is about to ring and what do I do? Right. I was never good at that as a teacher. And I found that that's even harder as an administrator, as a principal, and then to compound things, being an online principal means that I actually can be more available, right? So I wake up 5.30, right? And okay, brush my teeth and I'm thinking about my students. I'm thinking about that parent I need to answer, that teacher who needs some help, that course that needs some redesigning. And I'm already starting. And uh, I, I was checking my email right when I got up and checking it throughout the day, sitting at my desk, eating lunch, answering questions and designing things. And I found that it would be 10 o'clock at night and I'm still working and I didn't know what to do. So um, the first thing, that's why I started with it's really hard, um, was acknowledging that, okay, because it is. So I've done some things to help myself. I've started setting boundaries. I don't start answering emails until eight, which um, it's not that I'm not thinking about them, but uh, I, I don't start answering them till eight. And then I set time boundaries at, around my day. I've actually scheduled into my calendar, take a walk. And I have it three times at my day. I have it at noon. I have it at uh, four o'clock. And then I have another one at eight o'clock, which I know is outside of the school day, but it's in my calendar. And it means that I'm going to go do it. I scheduled that because I need to see it there. It also prevents other people from scheduling meetings during those times. So I have specific times throughout the day where I know I can breathe. I can get up. I can stretch, get a water, eat something, um, or just look away from my screen. My optometrist says that you need to stretch your eyes, right? Just look at something that is far away. So that's something. I, I did get new glasses with blue blockers and a special distance so I can see, you know, by 17 inches away from my face. The other thing I've done is I've given myself permission to not solve every problem today. You know, it, 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 which is a really hard thing to do because I think that as educators and especially as administrators, we are so aware that a parent, a student, a teacher's stress is immediate and it is important to them right now. And I have to acknowledge that I can't do everything at once. I can't. And 
rather than punish myself for not getting so many things done, by the end of the day, I try to acknowledge what I accomplished today. I said earlier that I, I'm in this practice right now of writing a thank you note every day. It's helping me to write that thank you note because it's acknowledging this person who's done something good. And then I can say, oh, right. And I helped that person to acknowledge that. And, and it reminds me of the good things that are going on too, because I think it's easy to get wrapped up in the stress. Other things I've done is I, I, I love to craft. So that's my thing. I, I, I love crafting of all kinds, especially fiber crafts. And so I have made time every day to do a little bit of knitting, um, except for when I took time out of knitting to sew. So at the beginning of the pandemic, I was just totally floored. I didn't know how to help our teachers because I knew they were stressed and I was stressing out because I, they were upset. So I, I started making masks and I made masks for every teacher at our school and every staff member and their family members. And I sent, and it felt good to be feeling, to feel like I was helping. Um, it also felt good to stitch because that's something that I enjoy. And then I got to mail those out. And so it was, uh, not only is it a craft that I love to do, um, caring for people that are, I are, are my world, right? And um, I felt like I accomplished something, right? I didn't make a quilt because, oh my gosh, I wouldn't know how to start that giant project, right? But I could make masks. I could make um, a card. Um, I, I finished a hat yesterday because those kinds of feeling like I've completed something feels really good. Um, so giving myself permission to... Um, do things that I love to do, even though there's something else waiting in the wings, um, it can wait 20 minutes while I just take some time to breathe. Um, I also do a, a fair amount of uh, meditation and yoga. Um, I've actually started scheduling because I just have to have it in my calendar. Um, I, I stopped doing my yoga practice for a while and I didn't even realize I had stopped um, because the days were getting so busy. So I've started scheduling sun salutation, 6.30. I know that's not part of the school day, but it's in my calendar and it's there. And like I said, I have to take a walk in the evening and that allows me time to play with my dog and focus on him. Um, and doing all of that, prepares me to get back to work and clears my head enough to do my work well. Um, so those are things that I've done to help myself. And I think that as administrators, we need to find those um, tasks that make our hearts happy, whether that's reading before bed, or if your eyes are really tired, like mine are, listen. I, I, I read um, audiobooks right now because my eyes are so tired, I can't, at the end of the day, read one more thing via text. So I read via audiobook. Whatever that task is that is helpful for you, that makes your heart happy, even if it's 10 minutes playing with your dog, playing with your kids, do that. One other thing I've done, 
is uh, I'm working from home right now. And so I found that it was really easy to just keep working. So I've made a designated space in my house and that is where I do my work. And in the morning I get dressed. I do my hair, not to the extent that I would have had I been going to see people, but you know, I get dressed, I do my hair, I put on work clothes. And then at the end of the day, at 5.30, six o'clock, I walk out of this space and I change my clothes. I wash my face, I put my hair up, I take off my shoes and I put on comfy socks and then I leave work behind. And if I have to do more work, I come back to this space and I do that work and then I leave again because it, it's building in a separation. Um, and something as simple as changing your clothes after work makes a huge difference. Yeah, I have so much to, to comment back on. Like the, the boundary setting I think is huge and having a separate space. Uh, I'll start with that part first. Like is, and having that separate space is so critical um, to making sure that you are not having the personal and professional space bleeding into each other. Cause it's so easy as you know, to like disconnect and not feel like you're being pulled back into work. And especially as a leader, you have so many different um, things pulling you in multiple different directions. And so it's, it's uh, kudos to you for setting boundaries. I think that's huge. And then that idea of providing breathing room for your creativity side of things. I love that. And also taking a break from things actually re can re-energize you for coming back to it with a fresh mind or else giving yourself space before you react to something, um, you know, to think through what's happening. And then the other thing is I love the heart happy spaces that you've created for yourselves with your creative activities and having that outlet can really help you be creative also in your own work as a leader in a school. Um, so I thank you so much for your time today, Rebecca, and I hope you come back and share more of your experiences and expertise in this area of wellness. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me and thanks for facilitating this conversation. My pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for more episodes of Wellness for Educators podcast.